Pastor Bell and to all of the Reverend clergy and the dignitaries that are gathered here today and to each of you that have come in celebration of this Kwanzaa event Abaragani. It's good to be here in a place that I've never been in this sacred space called Sanctuary. And it's wonderful to see all of your beautiful black and brown faces. I, I believe in uh, uh, those sacred words of that uh, uh, 20th century prophet James Brown. Said, say it loud. To all of you who have come before me, thank you so much. And certainly we have enjoyed what you have offered on today. Amen to this wonderful group that just sang and made me feel like I was back at home. Amen. Amen. And although I am extremely active in the struggle, I'm still cogent through and through. Amen. So I come out of a hand clapping, foot stomping, tongue talking tradition. Amen. Amen. And um, I submit to you, my brothers and my sisters, we live in a very interesting and dangerous time. And if there's ever been a time for us to stand up for ourselves, that day and that time is now. I want to lift up a passage of scripture from the Bible, from the book of 1 Kings, chapter 18. I want to read for your consideration verses 15 to 19. In my faith tradition, we stand for the reading of the word. And it reads as follows. And Elijah said, as the Lord of hosts liveth before whom I stand, I will surely shew myself unto him today. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, in that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and have followed Balaam. Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal four hundred and fifty, and the prophets of the groves four hundred, which eat at Jezebel's table. I want to read that same passage from the Message Bible. It says, Elijah said, as surely as God of angel armies lives, and before whom I take my stand, I'll meet with your master face to face this very day. So Obadiah sent straight to Ahab and told him, and Ahab went out to meet Elijah. The moment Ahab saw Elijah, he said, so it's you, O troublemaker. It's not I that has caused trouble in Israel, said Elijah, but you and your government. You've dumped God's ways and commands and run off after the local gods, the Baals. Here's what I want you to do. Assemble everyone in Israel at Mount Carmel and make sure that the special pets of Jezebel, the 450 prophets of the local gods, the Baals, and the 400 prophets of the whore goddess Asherah are there. I want to lift this subject tonight and just repeat it with me for clarity and say, blessed are the troublemakers. My brothers and sisters, if you live long enough, you will discover that there are those who are determined to confine you by defining you. There are those who want to limit you by labeling you. To use the language of Hollywood, they will typecast you in order to trap you so they will live down to their definition of who you are. 
all of us, if we're honest with ourselves, readily recognize what I'm talking about. For when the architects of this republic put together the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, they looked for a way to confine those of us who were from the mother continent, Africa. Yes. They could not justify enslaving us while simultaneously referring to us as fully human. So they labeled us as three-fifths of an individual. In a real sense, they confined us through their definition of us. They limited us through the labels that they placed on us. They trapped us by typecasting us and victimizing us and treating us like second-class citizens. And if we're not careful, people and predicaments, institutions and individuals will label us in order to limit us. They will define us in order to confine us. And I, my brothers and sisters, am concerned about the fact that in what Maya Angelou called these yet-to-be United States of America, in this era of make America white again, more than ever there are those who want to limit us by labeling us. So although most folks on welfare are single white women, black women are labeled as the welfare queens. Although most abortions are of white babies conceived by white women through the seed of white men, abortion is labeled as a black epidemic. And although the biggest terrorist threat in America are white male supremacists, black and brown Muslim men get labeled as terrorists. They want to label us in order to limit us. They want to denigrate us. This entire... Uh, society has revived an assault on our humanity in an attempt to denigrate our self-worth, denigrate our talent, denigrate our skills. And if we etymologically unpack the word denigrate, the word denigrate comes from the Latin, which means to blacken one's reputation, to sully one's reputation. You see, even in the dictionary, we find ourselves on the receiving end of being dehumanized and defined in a way, my brothers and sisters, that demeans who we actually are. Therefore, we cannot allow their label to make us losers. We cannot allow our disappointment to define us. Uh, We've got to think for ourselves because if we don't think for ourselves, then other people will do the thinking for us. This is why we need the principle of Kuji Chakalia or self-determination to be actualized in our community. We need to name ourselves, define ourselves, speak for ourselves, and create for ourselves. We need to write our own dictionary. Why? I'm glad you asked because if you don't know who you are, other people will try to tell you who you are. In 21st century America, others are defining what we should be, what we should believe, who we should hold in high esteem, what we should preach and what we should teach, how we should conduct ourselves, what leaders we ought to support. And and, and while we need to deal with that issue, I want you to understand, my sisters and brothers, nobody else should be able to define who our leaders are. They should not be able to tell the black preacher that he should not deal with the black imam or the black imam that they should not deal with the black preacher. They, 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 they need not tell us who defines the circumference of our activities, but they're trying to define the faith of black people through the lens of a whitenized, oppressive, slaveholder Christianity. And may I suggest to you that from the time we landed here on the shores of Southern Virginia, that faith communities have always been the institutions in our community which have had the anointed audacity and the theological temerity to write our own dictionary. 
It's the faith community that has had the gall to unite in holy wedlock, spiritual anointing, and social activism. The history of our faith is to be unbought and unbossed. For centuries, the faith community has invited the academy into our settings and we have gone into the academy. It is our faith that has dared to speak truth to power and then give the truth to those who were powerless that they also might be free. For all the faithful have done, for all we have meant to our community, to the nation, and to the world, we cannot now allow others to narrowly define the circumference of our activities, to tell us to stay out of the affairs of the city and the state and the government, to tell us what to preach, how to preach, when to preach, where to preach. Your prophetic voice is needed in the public sphere. I suggest to you tonight that it is men and women of faith that fought against white supremacy in all its forms. Even in the comfortable confines of our own faith communities, it was men and women of faith that taught us to be proud of our African heritage. They taught us that Africans shaped our faith from the wife of Joseph all the way to Jesus Christ. We have our own idioms. We have our own language. We have written our own dictionary and refuse to be bought and bossed. We refuse to bow down to bail. And here's the danger because whenever you make up your mind to make up your mind, there are those who want to define you. And because you have the gall to step out of the box of their prescribed life for you, what they will do is try to demonize you and try to vilify you. What they will do, they will talk smack about you and have the nerve to call you a racist, to call you narrow-minded, to call you a fanatic, to call you a zealot. Why? Because you have the nerve to be, as Dr. Jeremiah Wright put it, unashamedly black and unapologetically Christian or Muslim, amen, or whatever your faith tradition is. What nerve you got not to worship their God, not to worship their Jesus. And may I suggest to you, like my brother Freddie Haynes said, you got to learn if you do worship Jesus, you got to worship the right Jesus and not the white Jesus. You see, you, 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 you see uh, uh, the right Jesus uh, is an African boy uh, that was born in Northeast Africa. Uh, can I help somebody in here today? I know you're saying, but Brother Swan, that was the Middle East. Uh, let me tell you about that little Miss Oma. Miss Noma, there was no such place uh, as the Middle East. The Middle East came into being in the 1850s when they built a man-made waterway called the Suez Canal that separated what they call the Middle East from Northeast Africa. Jesus was born in Africa, hid in Egypt. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about a dreadlock-wearing, table-flipping Jesus. That's the right Jesus. And you see, often in our activism on behalf of the communities of color, we've asked the rhetorical question, uh, uh, and I've been asked this a few times. Folk come on the radio show, they call me up. They, they ask me uh, this, uh, this question. They say, well, what if Brother Swan, what if there was a national association for the advancement of white people? I say, there he is. It's called America. What if there was a, a, a united white college fund? There is, every PWI in America. What if there was a white history month? That would be January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, and December. 
What if white people said they were unashamedly white? Well, instead of, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, posting it in the blogosphere as a rhetorical quip, uh, you know, when they ask me that question, my answer is simple. Y'all been unashamedly white ever since you stole this country. You've been unashamedly white ever since you kidnapped us from Mother Africa. Ain't never been no shame in your game. Then when we stand up and hold them accountable for the oppression of our people, they want to tell us to go back to Africa. Well, first of all, first of all, my family has been here for seven generations. That means my great, 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 great grandfather was forcibly brought here in chains. Y'all got here a few days ago when grandma came over from the old country. This ain't your country to tell me to go back anyway. Secondly, my great, 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 great grandfather was stolen from Africa. And the last time I checked, you can't return stolen goods. In other words, we ain't going nowhere. This nation was built on our blood, was built on our sweat, was built on our tears, was built on our forced labor. So if y'all want to go back to the case of Europe, as Martin said, get to stepping. <laughs> but we ain't going nowhere. Now, now just for a moment, just for a moment, I, 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 need for, I need for that great prophet James Brown to come back here and speak from the walls of eternity. And I hope you don't mind if I call on James for just a hot second and say to every Sean Hannity and to every Tucker Carlson and to every Rush Limbaugh and to every journalist who doesn't like us saying we're unashamed of who we are. Can I call James real quick? And James will tell you to say it loud. I'm black and I'm proud. Young people, every time somebody tries to devalue your worth because of who you are, you ought to evoke the words of James and say it loud. Every time they label you as a thug, you ought to evoke the words of James and say it loud. Every time they call you suspicious, you ought to evoke the words of James and say it loud. Every time they call you by any pejorative label, you ought to evoke the words of James and say it loud. So understand that whenever you're proud of who you are, that others are going to attempt to keep you down. They will attempt to vilify you. They will attempt to demonize you. And if you don't believe me, ask my man Elijah here in the text. Notice, if you will, Elijah is vilified and demonized simply because he had the nerve to tell it like it is. And see, I love Elijah because Elijah, my brothers and sisters, appears on the stage of scripture out of nowhere. Out of nowhere, he goes into the palace of Ahab and he tells Ahab, watch this, he says, man, Ahab, your administration is corrupt. And because your administration is corrupt, I'm going to ensure that the last years of your administration are characterized by a severe drought and famine. Uh, You're going to be subject to an economic downturn where you're border on recession. You're going to have a subprime crisis that's going to be so terrible that you will discover that it's not only hitting those at the bottom, but it's going to hit those at the top. And then Ahab, because you're such a lowlife, I'm going to allow you to get in a misbegotten and a mismanaged war that's going to be the end of your administration. Sounds like something we've been through before. That's what happened. I'm not making this up. It's in the scripture. Elijah has the nerve to speak truth to power. I don't understand when prophecy became uh, uh, prophesying about new houses and new cars and, and, and people's phone numbers and blessing plans instead of prophecy being about speaking truth to power. But isn't God awesome? 
Because only God can use the jacked up administration of Ahab to set the stage to usher in a new era of hope and a possibility of change. Uh, let me give it to you like this. Only God can reject the Saul administration, but use Saul jacking up the nation to open the door for David to come in and reign out of nowhere. I mean, where did David come from? Whoever heard of David? David was way out there in the backwoods tending his daddy's sheep, and all of a sudden, David was running things. Why? Because God can use an Ahab or a Saul to have such a corrupt, jacked-up administration that the nation says, we've got to do something new. We've got to have some change. We've got to have some hope. And may I suggest to you, my sisters and brothers, we are currently going through an Ahab administration. Only in an Ahab administration uh, uh, would uh, uh, somebody go and lay a wreath at the memorial of Dr. King one day and then call Nazis and white supremacists very fine people on another day. Only in an Ahab administration would one claim to be the least racist person one day and then call black women dogs, call black districts infested, call black nations S-hole nation, call black athletes sons of bees, and then try to ban all Muslims because they're black and brown people. Only in an Ahab administration would one try to take health care from millions of poor people who can't afford it, take food stamps from 700,000 people who needed locked brown children in cages, strip educational assistance from disenfranchised communities, load the courts with racist anti-civil rights judges, and then have the audacity to say he's done more for you uh, than anybody else in history. Only in an Ahab administration uh, would somebody inherit low black unemployment that dropped from 16 8 to 6.5 under his predecessor and only dropped one percentage point under his administration and insult your intelligence and tell you he's the reason for low black unemployment. Only in an Ahab administration would we have to go through three years of pathological lying, three years of emboldening white supremacists, three years of disrespecting black people, three years of castigating and ignoring the plight of the poor and the disenfranchised and catering and coddling the rich, three years of losing lives that should have never been lost, three years of millions of Americans with no health care, three years of polarizing the nation along racial lines and widening the gap between the haves and the have-nots, three years of us thinking, God, are you even still on the throne? God, do you still love us? Why would you punish us for three years and have us bushwhacked all of this time? And God says, wait a minute, you must have forgotten, Brother Swan. I'm the one who works all things together for you good and for my glory. You see, if I hadn't allowed this Ahab administration to mess the country up for the past three years, it wouldn't set the stage to wake up the nation today and turn our attention back to the need to teach the younger generation that the struggle is not over. If I had not let this Ahab administration come up, y'all would have got complacent simply because somebody in the White House looked like you for a few years and you thought you had reached a post-racial age and I just had to remind y'all that I'm still the one you need to be calling on. No, 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 no. It's not the one in the White House. No, 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 no. It's not the Democratic Party. No, 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 no. It's God because it's not by power. It's not by might, but it's by my spirit, said the Lord. So the Bible says that when Elijah shows up in chapter 18, after vanquishing, uh, 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 vanishing rather for three long years in chapter 17, he shows up and Ahab sees him. And Ahab says, aren't you that 
troublemaker. Ain't nobody bad like you. Aren't you that one that troubles Israel? And you know what? That's what folk ought to call us. Because we've got the nerve to believe that our people ought to be proud of themselves. Brother Swan, what gives you the nerve to teach black folk to be pro-black? That's racist. No, understand that just because I'm pro-black doesn't make me anti-white. As a matter of fact, the more pro-black I am, the more rooted and grounded I am because I can't love you right if I don't love me right. this troublemaker been guilty of? Number one, and this is going to shock you right here, Elijah was a troublemaker because he was conscious of his identity. And you ought to be conscious of who you are as a people. You ought to know who you are and you ought to know whose you are. Let me see if I can make this plain. The text says Ahab called Elijah a troublemaker. Elijah instead remains true to his name and says, I'm not the one making trouble. It's you and your corrupt government making trouble. You see, I'm going to define myself for myself. Elijah employs Kuji Chakalia here and he names himself, defines himself. He speaks for himself. He says, my name is Elijah. Elijah simply means, watch this, God is Yahweh. Elijah means God is I am. Y'all still didn't get it. Y'all still didn't get it. I guess I'm going to have to take you back to scripture, back to Moses in chapter 3 of Exodus because the Bible says that Moses is on the backside of the desert doing his thing as a shepherd when all of a sudden there's a bush that's burning but it ain't burned up. And the Bible says at that moment that God spoke to him from the bush and said, yo Moses, you got to go to Pharaoh and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And so Moses says, hold on God, I can't tell the people, uh, I can't tell Pharaoh to let your people go because they're going to ask me what your name is. So tell me what your name is say my name say my name uh-huh and the book says that God says I can't give you my name because if I give you my name that's going to limit who I am he said my name should always be determined by what your need is y'all still didn't get it my name should be determined by what you find yourself up against. My name will be determined by the situation. You see, sometimes uh, I'm Elohim. Other times I'm El Elyon. Other times I'm El Shaddai. Other times I'm Jehovah Jireh. Sometimes I'm Jehovah Tiskanu. Whenever you're hungry, I'll be your bread. Whenever you're thirsty, I'll be your water. When you're stuck like Chuck, I'll be your way out of nowhere. Why? Because my name is I am that I am. Just tell him I am sent you. Uh, so Elijah says to Ahab, my name is Elijah and my name means uh, God is I am. My name depicts my nature. I was sent to a brook and at the brook I was the recipient of the first Meals on Wings program because God is uh, I am. The Bible says I was fed by a raven and when the brook dried up, God spoke to me and told me to go to Zarephath and I went to Zarephath and I found a sister who was down and out and God used me to be a blessing to that sister and bring her son back to life and then God fed me because God was praying when I was hungry because God was I am. But then watch this, chapter 18 comes. I've discovered Elijah says that God is the great I am. God has taken care of me while the nation has found itself in a bad situation. And so check this out. I know who I am because I know whose I am. And see, that's why y'all can't scare me about maybe Trump will get back in office because we face bigger boogers than Trump. He ain't the first demon we face as a people. Uh, come on here, somebody. God has brought us through 
far worse than the orange man in the White House. And each and every time, God has worked it out for our good. I walked by Romans 8 and 28 the other day, uh, and Paul stopped me, tapped me on the shoulder, and told me, Tom, but remember, all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. And don't you thank God that when you come to church, you can walk in and not have to take off your mind. Aren't you glad that you can come in and you can think with your mind, feel with your heart, shout in your spirit, and thank God for the skin that you're in? Elijah was conscious of his identity, but not only was he conscious of his identity, he was connected with divinity. I said he was not only conscious of his identity, but he was connected with divinity. I like what Elijah says in verse 15. He says to Obadiah, who thinks that Elijah is going to run again, he says, listen, man, I ain't going nowhere. He tells him, I'm here. Tell Ahab to come on. I ain't going nowhere. I ain't never scared. Look at your neighbor, tell your neighbor, I ain't never scared. I ain't going nowhere. Go get your master. Go get Ahab. And watch this, watch this. Bring Ahab to me. I need y'all to get that right there. Bring Ahab to me. Look at this. The prophet is telling the king, you come see me. That's why I can't be a black preacher running to the White House, sitting around a table, uh, sitting here buck dancing and foot shuffling and giving accolades to somebody. No, you come see. Prophet says, you want to talk? Come see me. Because I'm the servant of the Lord of hosts. I'm the servant of the Lord of Angel Armies. Do you know who I am? Oh, come on, somebody. Uh, tap your neighbor sitting next to you and say, neighbor, do you know who I am? Uh, you ought to thank God who you sitting next to right now. Uh, you don't know you sitting next to somebody that's blessed and highly favored of the Lord. You don't know you sitting next to somebody who's called by God. You don't know you sitting next to somebody who's anointed by God. Do you know who I am? Yeah, I'm connected with divinity. I'm connected with the God who's the captain and the commander and the chief of the innumerable invisible armies. And if he wants to, he can turn this mother. I'm the servant of the most high God. And when you're connected with divinity, it'll make you conscious of your own identity. When you know who you are, it's always rooted in whose you are. And that's what we ought to be teaching folk, uh, whose they are. Because when people know whose they are, they know who they can become. And this is why faith leaders ought to be summoning the politicians instead of the politicians summoning you. Uh, because you're connected with divinity. You speak to God and you speak for God. You represent the people of God. They need your influence. You set the agenda. You tell them what you want, what you need, what you demand. You're not at their beck and call. They need the votes of your people. Stop skinning and grinning for a photo opportunity with them. They are the county of privilege to be in your presence. Uh, Y'all excuse me, uh, but I'm tired of preachers uh, kowtowing the politicians uh, uh, just so that they can roll by your church uh, on a Sunday morning, take some pictures, have some words, and then roll out like they're so, so busy. No, when you come to Spring of Hope, you're going to sit right there and listen to me preach. Uh, you ain't going to roll up in here, have a few words, take a few pictures, uh, and roll up on out of here. I don't need 
to take no picture with you. Uh, you need me. That's why we confront the powers that be. That's why we fight against those who want to limit uh, who and how we can vote. That's why we fight against stand your ground laws. That's why we fight for our children because we need for them to know whose they are and what they can become. And whenever you confront those in power, don't miss this. All of a sudden, they label you a troublemaker. <laughs> You're that troublemaker. You're not that preacher that shows up when we call. Says what we want you to say. Endorses what we want you to endorse. Why are you always out there making trouble? Why you got to be a bomb thrower? Because some stuff need to be blown up. Well, why, 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 why you got to be a race hustler? Mm, 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 mm. Why are you playing the race card, Brother Swan? Well, you made up the game. You put the race card in the deck. You've been playing the race card for 400 years. Then you get mad when we learn the game. Uh, wait a minute, Brother Swan. Stop that Black Lives Matter. So all lives matter. Well, 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 we never said only black lives matter, but we were never confused about whether or not you thought white lives matter. We know you thought white lives matter when you committed genocide against Native Americans and took their land. We know you thought white lives matter when you enslaved Africans. We know you thought white lives matter when you lynched black people uh, and segregated them. We know you thought white lives matter when you went across the world uh, colonizing other folk. Uh, we know you thought white lives matter uh, when you allowed water to be poisoned in black communities. Uh, we know you thought white lives matter, but how come you never said all lives matter until we said black lives So when you go off cold, when you won't rubber stamp their agenda, when you speak outside of the prescribed narrative, they label you a troublemaker. My thing is this, if you're going to be a troublemaker, be a troublemaker for the Lord. Brother, you know you flat, right? You know you flat? I'm getting ready to go home, y'all. If you're going to be a troublemaker, be a troublemaker for the Lord. Because watch this, watch this. This is my final point. Watch this. God always makes sure that the troublemakers have more power than the title holders. Y'all didn't catch that yet because y'all didn't shout right there. That, that was a shouting point right there. I, I said, God always makes sure that the troublemakers have more power than the title holders. You don't believe me, do you? Huh? Well, F.W. DeClerc was the title holder. But Mandela and Desmond Tutu were the troublemakers. The Portuguese were the title holders. But Queen Nzinga was the troublemaker. You do know that Pharaoh was the title holder. But a black man named Moses 
was the troublemaker. Zedekiah was the title holder. But Jeremiah was the troublemaker. Jeroboam was the title holder. But Brother Amos was the troublemaker. You do know that Eisenhower was the title holder. But Adam Clayton Powell was the troublemaker. You do know that Roosevelt was the title holder. But a bad sister named Mary McLeod Bethune was the troublemaker. You do know that Lyndon Baines Johnson was the title holder. But Martin Luther King Jr. was the troublemaker. I gotta leave here, Brother Bell. But y'all do know that Pilate was the title holder. But Jesus was the troublemaker. And Jesus said, you can't kill me. No man take my life. But I lay it down. And if I lay it down on Friday, I'll be back on Sunday to pick it back up again. He was the troublemaker. He forgave his haters. He was a troublemaker till they put him in the tomb. But the book says when he died, he made trouble because the sun stopped shining. Blessed man, when he died, the grave gave up a dead. He was a troublemaker. Bless his name. When he died, the moon was dipped in blood. But early, I gotta get out of here. I said early, one Sunday morning, he got up with all power in his hand. So as I leave here, can I give you the next beatitude? Blessed are the troublemakers. Blessed are those who demand justice for Tatiana Jefferson, for Jackie Craig, for Henry Newsom, for Gregory Adams. Blessed are the troublemakers who say black lives matter. Blessed are the troublemakers who can't be bought, who can't be sold, who can't be compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded or delayed. Blessed are the troublemakers who won't flinch in the face of adversity, hesitate in the presence of trouble, or negotiate at the table of the enemy, or meander in a maze of mediocrity. Blessed are those who won't shut up, let up, slow up, give up until they stood up, prayed up, paid up, spoken up for the cause of Christ. Blessed are the troublemakers. Do I have any troublemakers in Fort Worth, Texas? Do I have anybody in the building that'll say no justice? No peace, no justice, no rest, no justice, no peace. We're gonna make trouble until justice roll down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. We're gonna make trouble until our children are educated right. We're gonna make trouble until the police stop shooting and killing us. We're gonna make trouble until resources are equitably be distributed. We're gonna make trouble until you treat us like the beautiful black folk that we are. Come on, James. Help me close this thing. Say it loud.
Thank you, baby. Come on. Come on, put your hands Yes.